0: sales podcast. Today we're chatting with Steven D'Angelo, President of Worldwide Field Operations at Aviso. Welcome to the show, Steven.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: So before we get into today's topic on data-driven and AI recommendations for the entire sales cycle, can you give our listeners a little background on Aviso and what brought you over there? Sure. Sure.
1: So Aviso is a early stage, fast-growing technology company, software technology company that's been around now five, six years. And the main mission that Aviso had from day one that we're continuing right now is how do we apply big data, artificial intelligence to the whole sales methodology? Everything from forecasting to pipeline management to closing deals. And certainly from the beginning days till now, it, it's evolved and obviously gets stronger and stronger in time. But it really was around how do we take this next generation of technology and help enable an organization like a sales organization that has been always really relying on gut and just raw sales talent and how do we put a little science and data around it. And uh, you know, we went from that you know, startup now to the 30 clients and clients are around the world and we're seeing some great impact. So uh, it's been a fun run. What attracted me to it is... Um, you know, when I look at the whole area of the, the sales stack, very, very crowded space, lots of products in the sales stack, the area around AI for sales really hasn't been kind of put at the forefront. If you look at things like logistics, manufacturing, finance, lead scoring, AI has gotten into those areas, but AI really has never got into the area of sales. So when the VCs who invested, in um and aviso reached out for me and said hey you know michael Locke, who's our ceo we'd love to bring a guy like you on board this is what we're doing i dug in pretty deep and took a look at what they were doing how are they doing it i candidly wanted to call bs on it a little (laughs) bit if i wasn't buying off on it but you know everything added up and i see a great growth opportunity so it was pretty uh pretty interesting to join
0: Absolutely. And where where were you before Avizo and what was your background before?
1: Sure. I was with Hearsay Systems before. Hearsay is a social media company, social media marketing and sales. I was there about, oh, three and a half years. My background, been in the enterprise software space 30 years. I would say the last 15, 20 have been with venture backed companies. So earlier stage companies that go through, you know, what are we going to be and how are we going to position right up and through going public? I've been part of two IPOs, I helped sell to other companies, so had a great, you know, kind of span of, of companies from the earlier stage to, you know, being those mature, publicly traded companies.
0: Yep. So I'm, I'm very excited about today's topic, but before we launch in, what's one thing that no one listening to the podcast today knows about you?
1: Um... All right. I'll give you a good fun fact, you know. So the best job I had in the world, and those who are listening that may know me probably know what I'm going to say, but I had the greatest job in the world as a 17-year-old. I was a ball boy and bat boy for the New York Yankees.
0: Did you grow up in the city?
1: I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up in Patterson, New Jersey. Very proud of it. Blue-collar town. And I hustled my way into the Yankee organization. I knew no one, and I convinced them they should interview me. I convinced them they should hire me. And I always say that was like my first enterprise sale. Yeah, Yeah. so I I actually spent two summers in Yankee Stadium in the clubhouse and got to the World Series in 81. So I had a great, great experience meeting all kinds of great players like Reggie Jackson and Ron Guidry and Lou Piniella and all those guys. So it was a great experience. But I'll tell you this, sure, it was fun, baseball and traveling with them a little bit. But really learning about what it takes to be an elite person, right, an elite player or an elite business person, we don't see all the work they do behind the scenes. I mean, I would be in that stadium four or five hours before uh, the game starts, and we'd be hitting ground balls to Bucky Dent or ground balls to Willie Randolph, hundreds a day. So it, it was a great experience. So not everybody knows that about me. So that's a good, that fun is a fact.
0: great story. Yeah. Do you yeah. still go to games a lot now?
1: I do. I'm going Friday night, the Boston Red Sox game with my daughter and my son. Yep. So uh, we go a lot. We, we have, lot.
0: we have some pretty serious Boston fans at the Bowery Capital office. Okay. So we'll have to talk to them. We'll, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thanks so much for, for coming on today. I think sure. to launch in first, when we think about sales, we typically focus on the three main stages, right? So, mm-hmm getting deals in the door, um, growing the deals in the pipeline, and then closing those deals. So let's walk through how companies typically handle each of these stages and how high-performing teams are utilizing AI tools to exceed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, you know, it all does begin with that entry into the funnel. And I think if you brought in a hundred, companies and said, okay, how many of you are interested in growing your pipeline, top of funnel? You know, they're all going to raise their hand. Everybody's trying to find a way to increase the top of funnel, but in a quality way. And, um, you know, AI is starting to hit the lead scoring, really good lead scoring. Right, um, where in the past, and actually, it's an opportunity for us at Aviso. At some point, we don't focus on that right now, but that's an opportunity for us because lead scoring to date really came from well, it came from this lead source, so we give it a certain score, and that's really and how old is the lead? Maybe that adjusts the score, so it's 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 not very well refined. So that part has to get has to get better. So now, once it's in, now you start executing sales activities right? And it's, and you're managing the pipeline. So pipeline management of those opportunities now becomes really important. And what did we rely on or what do we normally rely on? Most companies simply rely on the talent of the, of the first line salesperson, the person that owns the account and the first line sales manager that they will strategize and put tactics together and try to figure out how to pursue this opportunity. Then as it gets more mature, and we're getting closer to the, the close stage, again, typically relying on the idea of what's the talent of my team. However, there's a new way, right? And one of the new ways is applying data, big data, machine learning, and AI to it, which candidly, it's what Aviso does. When an opportunity enters into a pipeline, we're able to, right from day one, look at that pipeline opportunity and put a deal score to it, to give you an idea, the the, the accuracy of this. Last quarter, On the first day of the quarter, we looked at every opportunity in our AI engine. There were over 77,000 opportunities from all our clients in our engine.
0: And can I cut you off real quick? Sure. So what are you labeling as opportunity? When does something become an opportunity in your CRM?
1: Great question. It has gone through the lead qualification and marketing qualification process. It has now moved into... A salesperson accepted cool. lead and it's in their quote unquote pipeline that they are pursuing for a deal this quarter. Got it. So it's yep. been
0: passed off from the SDR. It's been high level qualified. And now it's. In the That's, correct. Okay, cool.
1: That's correct. Okay. That's correct. Great question. So we looked at just over 77,000 of those on day one of the quarter. We applied our AI engine to it. We came up with a deal score for every opportunity. And, and the deal score is the probability of that deal closing. Zero to 100. Give it a probability. Fast forward to the end of the quarter, then we looked at our deal scores and said, okay, what the AI said, was it accurate? Round numbers, 96% accuracy. So when we said a deal had a 75% chance of closing, we were right. But not only did we say 75%, we then were able, the AI is able to say, well, we're going to give you some guided selling on this deal. Here's why it's a 75 and not a 95. There are things missing in this deal. This deal is only a 35. This is what you're missing. This is a 95 or 96, right? And this is so strong for these reasons. So the AI, in other words, these deal scores and the AI guidance help give additional information, very, very important data to that first-line sales manager as he or she works with the AE who owns the account. So they're not just going off of their own view, their own intuition. Yeah, exactly. They're using this data.
0: And then is it prioritizing the deals they should be focusing on based on that?
1: So great question, two, uh, two um, items there. One is the deal score gives you some insight, but then we also have an activity score. We're able to look at, um, and, and strong AI can do this, you look at activity like calendar activity, email activity. What if an AE is spending lots of time on an opportunity that the AI is saying it's a 37% chance of closing? That first line manager has to say, okay, wait a minute, let's look at why this is a 37% and let's look at some of the guided selling suggestions. And then from there, if we can't overcome these, you shouldn't be spending a lot of time on this. So yes, then prioritizing, yep. yes.
0: Okay. I'd like to focus on the closing part of all this right. um, and, and how reps, how managers can think about really using a tool like viso or, or mm-hmm. any sort of AI sure. tool um, during the closing process. Yeah,
1: great. So I often talk about the movable middle for the closing process. What I mean by that is if you look at a pipeline, pick a number, let's say uh, there's 100 opportunities in the pipeline just for simple number's sake, I bet everybody knows everything about the top 20%. Those top 20, the AE is deep involved, the first line manager, second line manager, CEO, you know, maybe even a board member or two is involved, they're really close to those deals, Then at the bottom end, the bottom 10% or so, you know, everybody realizes they're pretty weak. It's the movable middle for closing, right? It's if we could help you close 7, 10, 15 more than you would have, right, by gaining closing insights, what are the things you should do in the close process to improve your chances of winning at the end of the day, that's the big ROI, right? It's like we closed more deals, we drove more revenue because some insights of the big data,
0: yeah. No, I think that's great. Um, one thing we talk about a ton at Bowery, um, especially acceleration team focused, shameless mm-hmm. plug, um, <laughs> is getting early traction for the market for our portfolio companies. Right. What do you believe is the biggest issue for sales leaders today, especially those at smaller companies and startups that are trying to get traction? Yeah,
1: great. So I've... I- I advise some companies as well. I've got relationship with venture firms and often they'll say, hey, Steve, we invest in this company here. Can you just go find out what's going on and talk to their sales leaders or their CEO about building a sales team? One of the things I always stress is you really have to look at the DNA of your business and then make sure that you're really finding the right salesperson. What I mean by that is you can go and interview a top star at Salesforce.com. Right? He or she is the last few years has knocked it out of the park. And we think, wow, if I can get this man or woman, it'd be great. But really, that man or woman is really not a good match for your early stage. They come in, they, they say they want an early stage and I want to be part of a startup and I'm going to help you grow, but they're not really ready for that. And it takes a lot of digging, of interviewing, and reference checking, and challenging the individual to really make sure that individual's right. I see too many companies make that mistake. They hire. We can do
0: a whole podcast on this. Now we're now we're moving (laughs) into talent territory. I I love that. Yeah,
1: yeah. So that is my biggest caution all the time. And don't go hire a VP of sales right away. Right? Maybe you just need really good, strong two or three salespeople to really go make it happen in the beginning and then maybe one of those people can be promoted or maybe you'll bring someone in after that. So the big thing is the DNA of the company, does it really match that person?
0: Yep. Okay. Well, look, I may, I may call you back for a, happy to do it. <laughs> another happy one on that topic. To but it. kind of going back to mm-hmm. um, AI and and that side of the coin, I think the term AI gets thrown around a ton, right? Everybody's talking about yeah. it. Everybody's ending their their host URLs with AI sure. now, um, but what exactly are the AI insights that Avizo is providing and how are these predictive sales analytics helping bridge that gap between the CFOs and the CROs at Yeah, these companies? Great.
1: So let me just kind of explain something that you're not asking that I think gets to what is real AI. Perfect. Okay, so let's talk about how Vizo's AI works, right? I could speak to that obviously because I'm close to it. I Other people I talk about AI. If they're not doing something at a detail level like this, then it's really just a spin, right? It's not reality. So, for us to be able to provide predictability and deal scores and forecast accuracy, we need data. So, what we do is when we launch a client, we go and we extract two years worth of history from their their Salesforce automation system. That means every opportunity over the last two years that they won, they lost, and they pushed in every data element in every opportunity. We extract that data. We move it into our time series database, apply our algorithms to it, and we do things called clustering. For the sake of time, I'll just simply say, the AI does something called clustering. It puts like deals together. So a deal that was sold this product at this dollar amount by this AE in this geographical region, this time of year, on and on and on, right? Hundreds of elements it looks at to cluster opportunities. And it's able to say, oh, okay, when an opportunity is in this cluster, here's what a win really looks like and when you lose, here is data elements that are missing when you lose. So it's able to come up with these, this database. Now when you go live, every 15 minutes we are snapshotting every opportunity and every data element and every opportunity, moving into our time series database, applying the same algorithms, comparing it to the clustering we've done, and hence we're able to take this big data, make sense of it, and provide that data in, in, in a usable way to the sales organization. So one of the key things I that I, I'm, I'm, I explain this for is that it's about how much data and how much data crunching are you really doing. If you're just taking one or two data elements and making some predictability, or even 10 data elements and making some predictions, that's really not big data machine learning, right? It really is not. So if you're gonna look at AI systems really for anywhere in your sales, Your sales operation or your sales stack, I would recommend that the listeners really dig into how much data is being utilized and how much data is constantly being refreshed that would enable machine learning.
0: That's a great point, and and my mind immediately jumps to, at what stage should a company start thinking about using something like this? Because it's entirely possible that early stage companies don't have all of the right data to provide these insights. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly right. So you know, when you look at our profile company, we're typically working with companies that have 50, 75 salespeople or greater, right? Dell is one of our clients, right? So you're talking thousands of deals a quarter that they're chasing down that they, no human being can manage every detail of thousands of deals, right? That's what the machine helps with. So I would say that an earlier stage company would want to start adopting this when they really start to get into that hyper growth stage and they have to be realistic about it. Everyone thinks they're in there or a lot of people think they're in the hyper growth stage, but they're not really there yet. You don't need AI for a company that's got 20 deals a quarter, right? And they've got three sales chasing those 20 deals. You'll love the views. You'll love the sexiness of it, the dashboards, the analytics you'll love. Not really necessary. I think you, know, you get to a sales group of 10, 15 and you're and you know, you're feeling wow, we're really starting to grow, then it's like taking a very good principle, starting it early, right? Begin with the end in mind. Let's bring in a technology that we're gonna need when we have a hundred sales. Let's start now, and put the DNA yep. in place now.
0: Yep. Yeah. So say we go to small company sales team of five people. What metrics and what data does this founder or this sales leader really need to be focusing on in the early days, Yeah, throw tool out the window. Great. Just th- the metrics and the data that they should be looking at. Okay,
1: great. So I think some of the most important metrics they should be looking at is the, assuming they have sales stages set, right? They, they have to have some sales stages to manage a, a an opportunity as it moves through the pipeline, right? As it becomes more serious. Yep. So it's very important for them to look at how long does a deal or an opportunity stay in a stage before it moves to the next stage by AE? You may be more proficient than me. You move them every 30 days because you, you're really good at it. Me, I get my deals get stuck in stage three all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, that means something. That means that I'm really not working with mature enough deals because they're only going to get to a certain point and they stall, right? So the first thing is how quickly do they move through stages by AE? I think another item is calculating what percent of the deals from your forecast categories really close. So in commit, when I'm in the first month of a quarter and I have deals in commit, what percentage of them really close? When I'm in the second month of a quarter in commit, how much do they close? When something's in upside, what percentage do they close? So first you get a feel for the metrics of your business. Now you start looking at it by AE right? So this is a lot of spreadsheet work that tools like ours does in a snap, right? Right. But if you're not implementing a tool, it's some spreadsheet work that a sales operations person should be doing because it's going to give you insights to your business. And without looking at those things, if you're not really analytics driven and you're not looking at those things, you're not going to spot the yellow flags until months and months later or quarters later where maybe you have bigger issues.
0: I think that's a great point. So this might be kind of granular, but what would some of the... More concrete numbers be that someone should be looking for from like a close rate or, uh, yeah, you, know, you mentioned 30 days. I, I know that depends on what your deal cycle looks like, sure, but what are yeah. some numbers that people could maybe benchmark yeah. off of? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Okay, so when you look at let's talk about first month of the quarter, when you have deals and commit. The first month of the quarter, you should have a relatively high close rate of those commit deals and upside deals. What's relatively high? 80% or north. Okay. Because think about why it's in commit the first month of the quarter, right? It's in commit the first month of the quarter primarily because you finished your sales cycle and it rolled over, right? (laughs) And it rolled over. So if a sales rep, if an AE is having opportunities in the beginning of the quarter and a large percent don't close, again they're not reading their their deals right at all right so you should be 80% or north as you then get later in the in the quarter what percent of commit should close it's going to tell off as you get to the end yep. right so we always felt like you should be at least closing 50% of commit now in my world I always say, if it's commit, you have it in blood. It's 90, 95% <laughs> or ninety five to 100% chance of closing. Yep. Do not put it into commit unless you really have it ready to go commit. What's right? your
0: stage that you have right beneath commit or above? You know, upside. before?
1: Uh, upside. F- yeah, yeah <laughs> forecast category of upside. Cool. So I do it pretty simple. I have pipeline, right? I've got your upside, and then I've got your commit. I okay. keep it really simple. Really straightforward. Yeah.
0: I like yeah. that because yeah. I've seen some that are like, it, it, they almost try to mirror the stages of the sales cycle. And I feel like it gets so long. Yeah,
1: and I'm, I've always say to say to sales leaders, the stage of a deal in your sales cycle should not be what your forecast category is, because you may have a deal that you've chosen to pursue and it's now in the late, let's call you a five stages. So it's in the fourth stage But when you really look at the deal, you may think, you know what? I only have 50% chance of closing this deal. I should not have this an upside or pipeline, but I chose to continue to pursue it for some reason, right? (laughs) But you should not be put in that. So if you, if you attached forecast category based on stage, you would have that in a high forecast category where it really shouldn't be. So I do believe they should stay independent. Got
0: it. Okay. I think that's helpful. Um, What's one of the most unaddressed sales issues that you see in the market right now?
1: Um, you know, I think it's really this topic. I think that when you look at the majority of sales leaders um, that are that are sales leaders of successful mid stage to you know later stage pre IPO companies and even some IPO companies. The sales leaders aren't buying off on the analytics, and I'm just going to be blunt. They're around my experience level. I'll use that, right? (laughs) The early generation, when you talk about some of the younger generation, they're very into AI. They're very into data-driven. Talk to a very seasoned sales leader that's been doing this for 20 years, "Ah, I got to cover it. I don't don't need the analytics. So I think having an executive team that requires the sales organization to be more data-driven is something that's that's missing. I'm seeing more and more of it, and I'm happy about it, of course, because that's our, our space, yeah. right? I'm seeing more and more, but that's one of the areas that I think can get better.
0: Without a doubt. I think we're seeing that a lot in this, even the seed stage in Series A companies now where Sales operations is turning into one of the most coveted roles or, or hires for a lot of early companies. And it makes me so happy because it's easier to build a sales org and kind of go through that hyper growth mode when you've got someone tracking these numbers and, and making data-driven decisions for the rest of the team versus... A-
1: absolutely. And, and when you think about sales leaders, I always say to my team, hey... I I want to meet all the CROs and, 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 and senior executives in the sales organization for all our prospects. Right. But remember they sell for a living. They don't buy for a living, right? Their sales operation team are the ones that are, that are really, really looking at all of this because they'll go to their CRO and say, you need to be looking at that. And the CRO really trusts a very good sales operations person.
0: Yep. And kind of being that data analytics is, is pretty competitive Um, how do you stay on top of your game in terms determining what works and what doesn't in this kind of evolving atmosphere?
1: Yeah, you know, I I, I think it really is the continuous learning, right? That commitment to always reading, learning, listening, because it is changing very, very quickly. The analytics vendors are doing different things just about every quarter. They're announcing things, and it really is the basis or the basics of I want to keep learning, I want to keep reading, I want to keep understanding how these how it's changing. And then of course you have to bring those insights to your company because at Aviso, yep. we may be going a little left and we see a, if I see a lot of things going right, I've got to update my my product team, right? I've got to work with my operations team that we've got to hey, we've we've got to make some adjustments. So this is going to change so much. Where we're going to be 12 months from now is going to be so different than we are today. You just got to keep your nose to it and just really learn, learn, learn.
0: Yep. Any favorite blogs, books, things that some of our listeners should be?
1: Yeah, on? one of my, f- my uh, books I could go on and on about. Uh, but uh, one of the cool blogs I love is C- CB Insights. Yep. They're, it's entertaining. It is. New York company. They're right. Of now. course. Yep. It's tons of, of good content. Your blogs are very good. Thank so you. Give you a plug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, so yeah, that's kind of what I love. You know, um, those are really, it's about the industry. Really, really good. Yep. Yeah.
0: Well, this has been great, Steve. Any final thoughts or tips that we, we didn't go over for folks?
1: Um, I guess one thing I'll just repeat, you know, uh, for sales organizations constantly think about being data driven. We are good at what we do of selling and leading salespeople because we have that great intuition. We have a good smell for a deal. We know how to negotiate and that will never be something that's not needed. Of course it's always needed, But don't just rely on that. My tip for everyone is drive analytics in some way in your business. Use the analytics to support your own great sales leadership and your salespersonship in order to help you be successful.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.